on this episode of In the Rack Podcast. I'm going to bring it home right down to right down to the vagina. Oh, get comfortable. There was definitely restrictions in the area, but what is creating more scar tissue going to do to fix the problem? I really had a hard time understanding that. What you got? In the Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In the Rack Podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me, I have two co-hosts today. I have uh, my physical therapist, Nick, and Katie. Uh, for all of you that are just joining <laughs> us, she's also a physical therapist, by the way. She uh, She's did, a pelvic rehab specialist. Did, did I say did didn't I say know therapist? how to uh, intro. That was good. No, no, no. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. No, 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 no. hit the button. No, you guys, you're killing me. This is good. No, you're no, killing no, this me. Is good. This is good. Yo, this, this is probably up. a good time this for, for, for me to bring up the fact that we weren't going to do this podcast today. Yeah, for everyone listening, <laughs> Chad. So, if anybody listened to the last couple episodes, you know we put a little teaser out there. We were going to talk about a specific reckless in the rack case, but we're not going to talk about that case today. It's it's Chad's patient. We had we had dipped into it a little bit, but we're not going to go there today because we don't have all the information yet, and we're not going to give you guys the story without all the information. So, Chad wanted to take the week off, and I said, "Dude, that's like a gateway drug." I said. You know how many people out there start a podcast and then they stop because they don't stay consistent, right? I think the number is like 79%. I actually yeah. have no idea. You would He's know that. I'm just making I that up. I don't know how. Yeah. I'm making up a number. But nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Nonetheless, yeah. a lot of people do that. They start podcasts. I know. You know, people like <laughs> Renegade. Oh. Um, <laughs> get that episode too. Sorry, guys. I had to. Let's go. I had to. Um, yeah. So, Chad wanted to do that. And I told him, dude, it's like a gateway drug. We can't do it. We got to put one out. So, he was like, we're going back to back, Reckless in the Rack. So we're going 35A, 35B. And this is A. And I literally just planned on coming in, just, you know, creating this like, you know, culture, just ramping everybody up. Like, let's go Friday. And I was going to get my workout in. And he's like, yo, podcast, podcast today. Uh, no. We'll work out so, after. We got time. So I said, it's, well, it's if I'm going to do it, then I'm going to drag Katie in to do it. So let's go. <laughs> so we're going off the cuff. We're, no this notes is, today. This is totally off the cuff. But no um, for all of you that are just joining us and do not know what our Reckless in the Rack series is, this is where... We, as providers, Nick, Katie, and myself, uh, we share stories from our patients. Uh, we like to share these stories not only because they're reckless, but some of these stories may sound familiar, and that's perfectly okay. Um, that's actually or, or not fact. okay. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not okay, but it is okay. If it it's is you, yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah. we want you to understand that you are not alone, and you might gain something from this podcast episode. So, uh, like Nick said, we uh, we're going to delay our ACL patient until next week until I see him and get the full story so that we can, uh, and unfortunately you know, we have so many reckless stories that we can go A, B, C, D, E, F, yeah, G. So we just, bad. we pulled these out from the vault. So, all right, Nick, why don't you get us started? What's all the right. first story of the day? So I'm going to talk about, um, oh, I didn't think of a name. Uh, let's go anchor. Um, Ooh. our friends down in Beverly Ooh. anchor cable training system for at home. Super cool. Check it out. Check them out. They're all local. It's awesome. Uh, nonetheless, Anchor here uh, came to me with right knee pain and come to find out uh, this this individual had a left big toe fusion about 10 years ago and was told 
that's yeah no your right toe is going to need a fusion let's we'll just wait we'll just wait till we get there you know we're not going to do it yet but we'll just wait like that was the advice he was given by a provider by a doctor a medical doctor to just wait right we're gonna you know fuse this arthritic toe and then the other toe's got some arthritis but it's not as bad so we're just gonna wait it out just wait it out no active you know information or advice to do anything so this individual the past 10 years had just been operating under this assumption that all right i'm just playing this waiting game there's certain things i can't do because of my arthritic toe and my other fused toe so i have to change the way i do things i have to change my footwear completely Um, and that's exactly what he did he stopped certain activities that he used to enjoy doesn't do them anymore came to me with right knee pain and we are working a bunch on the feet so because those toes are they're super stiff obviously because he stopped using them because he was told i will just wait right literally told to wait so he stops using his big toes he's got some significant stiffness for sure he's got a uh hallux rigidus on both sides which means his his big toes don't extend so even with you know pressure all that kind of stuff they don't extend so there's some kind of blockage there so I was like, hey, let's get as much as we can out of this, but let's free up the rest of the foot. Let's get the middle of the foot moving better. Let's get the heel moving better. And then up the chain, knee, hip, everything. So we try to free up motion elsewhere so we can still use as much of the big toe as possible, but we also don't create a ripple effect of stiffness from big toe down the middle of the foot, back of the foot, all that kind of stuff. Because that's kind of what happened, um, you know, over the last 10 years. But it's interesting because on his fused side, he's got great midfoot mobility because his body adapted. Right. So now we're trying to create the same type of situation so we can hopefully avoid the fusion on the right side and, you know, allow him to continue doing the things he's doing now and maybe even get back into some of the activities he was deterred from doing 10 years ago. Yeah. So pretty crazy. Reckless. 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 Yeah, that's it. Boom. That's a record time. That's it. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cut you there before you no, figure I, out I something else. I keep going, but I'm not going to get yeah. 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 All right. So I'm going to go next. Um, my story is about a woman that I saw not too long ago, and um, she's a 73-year-old female. I'm just going to call her call her Thelma. You know, I just like that name, uh, Thelma. It's, I mean, she's she was a super nice lady, and um, she's had low back pain. She's had chronic low back pain, like most people, right? She's had a uh, history of sciatica. Um, she's been to many providers, and no one's been able to help her. Uh, it, it, she was actually referred to us by a local trainer. Um, that we work very closely with. Uh, shout out to Sue if you're listening to this. Thank you very much for the referral. But uh, she did see us, and um, she's now got a ton of centralized low back pain uh, that's been getting worse. Um, it's also been limiting her training, her daily function. Uh, she gets frequent back spasms with just literally, she was telling me the other day, she went to go reach for like uh, one of those um, like a toilet paper, you know, what, what would you call those? Like, it's like a bundle of toilet paper. It's like okay. an 18 pack or whatever. Yeah. She's bringing it. A bundle. A bundle. Yeah. yeah. I like it. A bundle. Uh, she was bringing it to her, her upstairs from her downstairs and just reaching for that bundle. She got a huge back spasm. So she's seen multiple like doctors. She's had most of the doctors look at her hip and her quote unquote SI joint. So she's been diagnosed uh, with a clear SI joint dysfunction. Um, and this is where most of the people have been spending their time. In fact, one doctor told her that she needs to improve her SI joint motion. So I'm just going to kind of spit, spit out a fun fact there and just let everybody know that yes, SI joint pain is real. SI joint dysfunction is also real. 
but we only have a few degrees of joint motion at the SI joint, and that's through forward back flexion extension and what? Maybe one degree, maybe two. mutation and counter mutation. Okay. <laughs> can't forget who we're talking to. We can't forget who we're talking to. I'm just kidding. Axial rotation, one, two degrees. So uh, there's not a lot of motion there. So for somebody to come out and say, oh, we need to improve this SI joint motion has already created not a lot, not only a lot of confusion for Thelma, but uh, she's also been treated incorrectly because no provider has actually looked at her as an individual and was like, hey, you know what? Let's just take a look and see if this is actually what this doctor says it is. Uh, in fact, upon the evaluation, she had what we call as an extension bias. So she tends to like extending backwards as opposed to bending forwards. And honestly, I didn't even have to check that to know based on her stories that she would tell me bending is clearly aggravating her symptoms. Um, so what has she been doing? Oh, she's been doing a lot of like Williams flexion protocol. So she's been knee to chest. She's been bending forward, touch her toes. She's been doing piriform stretching, which is fine for some people, but her, it's only been aggravating her symptoms. So no wonder she hasn't been getting better. Who gave her that? So she's seen um, PT. Not us. Unfortunately, not us. Nope. She's seen PT. She's seen acupuncture. And she's done massage therapy. And the only thing that's helped her so far is massage therapy. That's it. Um, And that's just really, you know, calming down her symptoms. It's like putting out the fire, right? So um, nobody's actually given her exercises that are actually helping her with her pain um, long term. And she also has a little bit of nerve tension down one side. And nobody's addressed that either, which is probably left over from the sciatica that she had in the past. So, um She's in good hands now. I saw her for the first time the other day, and she felt a lot better following the uh, the one session that we had. So, hopefully, going forward, she'll you know she'll be consistent with the exercises and see a lot of improvement there. But she's one of those people that will sleep at night on her stomach, like she sleeps on her stomach. But then they're like, "Don't don't go on your stomach. Uh, don't do any extension. I want you just to do flexion exercises." I'm like, <laughs> "So there's there's the confusion, right? There lies the confusion." So um, now I think it's important go. for. Um, you to talk or us to talk about like long-term what you're going to do with that person because a lot of people might hear that and be like oh so just extend 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 and just avoid flexion right so i think right right yeah so obviously the goal is to get her to progress back to flexion-based exercises but it's too soon um in fact i'm not doing any stability with her right now either because everything that she's done so far stability has involved either like pelvic tilts which she also says kills her number one and number two she's done a lot of like rotation stuff um, which is just too much. So we've progressed her. We will progress her to anti-rotation to start, probably sticking more like, you know, sagittal plane, which is forward and backwards, um, not doing any types of crazy rotation with her, um, but not just right now, just focusing on on motion and mobility in the right places. She's also got a pretty limited thoracic spine, like most people do at that age. So um, just kind of hitting the, the big nuggets there and then working towards stability so she doesn't keep on going through these cycles of of muscle spasms and you know, overcompensation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's where a lot of totally providers out there miss is there, they, they might get it early on in the acute phase, you know, when, when things are flared up, but then a week, two weeks go by and the people, the pain starts creeping back in and people are like, what do I do? You know, and they just get in this, this cycle of doing the same things over and over and over and over, but they never get beyond that to the next step. Exactly. I'm still hung up on this creating more motion in the SI joint thing. Yeah, it's pretty wild. <laughs> I'm still back there. In yeah, the what's, what's even more wild with that is she actually had um, a previous MRI of her low back, which was pretty, you know, it was very conclusive on L5S1 
you know, issues. She had d- disc protrusion there. She had some, uh, you know, stenosis, like, you know, what most people have, right? Um, and, and, you know, arthritis, right? Which is pretty much just a normal MRI for most people, right? But we took the x-ray of the hip. We took an x-ray, x-ray of the SI joint, S- sacrum region, and we uh, didn't think to treat the back. We just went right for the hip. So she's been getting hip, all hip exercises and stability exercises because they're like, oh, this, you know, this person says over here that the SI joint needs more mobility, but this person over here says we need more stability. Which one is it? You know what I mean? A lot of, so a lot of confusion. confusing. I would, of, I would imagine the person, uh, the provider telling her that she needed more sacral mobility was just the person just narrowing in on the, the site of pain, right? Like. They're like, oh, okay. I just love how you pain, do that. Pain Stop to, doing that. Pain seems to be around oh the sacrum. God, dude, look, Let's he's just, like, he sticks up for people. Yeah, I'm not like, sticking up for them, but I'm yo, just saying people, people, it's like, uh, you know, people do that. Let's, let's give this guy the benefit of the he doubt. Finds the and good just say, but, it's, but it's not even the benefit of the doubt. Oh, this, this is the situation that I'm saying. This is the problem with a lot of people is that, right, oh, your knee hurts. Right. Okay. It's the knee. What's wrong with the knee? Why is the knee not functioning? Okay, well? okay. And they don't look above or below. So that's what this individual is doing. This provider is saying, oh. It, it hurts right around the sacrum. Maybe they just need more sacral movement, you know, movement. Yeah. They, or, they, they, or they just don't know. They just they don't, don't know. know. They yeah. just don't know. Yeah. yeah. No idea. Nope. So, All right, sort Katie. of benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I see. You know, compliment yeah. sandwich kind of thing. It's, what? <laughs> 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 Nothing about that is complimentary. I'm sorry. It's messed up. Uh, it's misdiagnosed. It is messed up. I'm going to bring it home. Bring it. I'm going to bring it right down, to, right down to the vagina. Yes. Whoa. Oh. Went Katie right there. is our pelvic rehab Get specialist, by the way. If I didn't mention that in the beginning, yep. when I was so rudely cut off by Nick, mm. I would try to shut the button off, but he caught me. Yeah. He slapped <laughs> my hand. Off. He slapped my hand. That was going. also the first time that I've messed up an intro, by the way. And it was only because my wife was sitting across from me. Well, and and I felt, so like, I sprung, felt like I messed up. And I was, on you. No Do I make you nervous? Too. I was I was mesmerized. Still to this day. Still to this day, <laughs> making nervous. I go through utter confusion <laughs> when she's around. All right. You All can right. go to our Instagram page. We're going to have diagrams associated with Katie's story here. <laughs> um, it'll be on the story. So check it out. <laughs> yes. All right. I, I don't have any names. I wasn't thinking about like naming my person, but she's a female. Around 32 years old, I think, if I can remember that. It wasn't um, wasn't at the top of my priority list after hearing her concerns, we'll say that. Mm. So she was a semi-new mom. She um, wanted to come in and just get an opinion from somebody who, you know, may have some advice to give regarding um, her little issue. So... She had a tear during a vaginal delivery, and um, it was it was a stage two. So it could be one, two, three, four, and um, it's just like how much tearing is happening between the vagina going usually down to- into the perineum towards the rectum. And so she had a stage two. Um, and it required a little bit of fixing at you know, right at the time of delivery. So, which is not uncommon. Um, they put a, a stitch in there, a stitch or two, and they dissolve and they go away and everything, you know, that that's, that's what happens during, um, at the moment. Um, she was concerned, however, that she had, uh, maybe been stitched inappropriately. She was concerned by how the tissue was brought back together. Um, and stitch back. So she wanted me to take a peek see because she was having some pain around the area. 
So we did, um, we did an assessment. I did an internal assessment and kind of, uh, you know, evaluated the area. And she definitely had some tissue restrictions uh, right around that region that she was concerned about. Um, and her, the advice that she got and the reason why she came to see me was because she wanted a second opinion on this advice that she had received from her midwife because she does want to have another child. So this was just baby number one and she wanted to go for like five. So she wanted to get things straight. So she was told that if she had tissue restrictions and she wasn't happy with how she was repaired, that in order for her to release the tissue, she would need to have a procedure to cut the tissues again and repair it that way because she was told she'd want to have that done prior to having another pregnancy and um, going through another labor. So I was kind of taken aback by that information. I didn't really um, understand what was going on with that because when we all know that when we have um, when we have a surgery or we ha- we go in and cut tissues we have scarring and so we already had scarring in the area um, and there was definitely restrictions in the area but what is creating more scar tissue going to do to fix the problem I really had a hard time understanding that probably make it harder to have baby number two um yeah. yeah so so i'm down there and i'm and i'm kind of assessing the situation for her and i've got the tissues in my fingers and i'm i'm kind of seeing how pliable they are i'm kind of like feeling out where where are we getting the pain that you know that was the concern and i said so what about perennial massage? What about just massaging the tissue and getting in there and kind of breaking up adhesions? And she looked at me like I was crazy. She says, nobody ever told me to do that. Again, I'm taken aback. Um, I mean, there's definitely a place for massaging scar tissue. We do it everywhere else. I mean, we, we kind of, we, we as PTs talk about it. If you had knee replacement and, you know, whatever, like there's always, there's always a place for, you know, some manual therapy. Um, it helps with healing and it helps with breaking down scar tissue and it ha- just helps the tissues be healthier and more pliable. And if we're going to have another potentially vaginal delivery, we need those tissues to be able to stretch um, to accommodate for the baby. So my advice to her was to not pursue any type of surgical interventions, um, in terms of having any cutting performed in the area, um, until it, or never, I mean, not until, I mean, she was concerned also for, um, an aesthetic concern. She was concerned just like how it was brought together. So I said, if that is still a concern after you're done having children and aesthetically, um, when you're only when you're done having children, I feel like that would be something that you could pursue, like get more information on that. Maybe, maybe that would be worth it, but to re-injure the area, um, to relieve bound up tissue or just like dense tissue and then sew it back together. I just could not fathom like how that would be a recommendation for anybody, especially in that area. Good Lord. So massage, massage, get down there, get comfortable. 
But Katie, massaging isn't as financially conducive as cutting someone open. <laughs> you know? It doesn't bring in as much money. There's That's a point. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, a point. It's sad that that's a reality, though. Yeah. That, that's a, that goes through people's heads, unfortunately. It's also sad that there's no education to treat this area after it's happened, right? Like... If you have a surgical intervention like that, what are ways that we can prevent this scar tissue from building right. in the first place? Right. Why are we missing this like this stage? In yeah, between? there's an opportunity there for totally. sure. That's you have just a window, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what would you recommend for somebody that has had that type of procedure, like following pregnancy? Well, or following I th- birth, childhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think within a couple of weeks there, you, that it's definitely appropriate to start putting just some pressure on the area, you know, um, just start softening the tissues and eventually, you know, depending on how it is, like, you know, I, I teach people to approach the area by putting, um, a finger just inside the, the, the vagina and pushing down towards the rectum. So just trying to like stretch the tissues, um, getting one finger inside and then one on the outside and kind of just squeezing and pin rolling is another technique just to like, you have to get your hands on those tissues. I mean, and because you, that was something that you went through. Yes, I did. So, oh yeah, yeah. So, oh, I forgot. Um, <laughs> I remembered though. You, uh, so <laughs> because you remember, we already talked about this on a podcast. I know, I know. But and that was the advice but, that I had gotten. That yeah. you just you thought that advice was okay. Oh yeah, just to have sex. <laughs> I know. Well, it was okay for me, but right. I but mean, it was painful for me. It could be a good adjunct. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. sure, exactly. It's just another tool. Right. Right. In, in the toolbox there, um, but. Uh, yeah, so I only had a, a stage one, which was just like the skin. It doesn't. It did not involve deeper layers of tissue or like muscle tissue, right? So like muscles of the pelvic floor. Uh, mine was just superficial, but I still had a couple sutures that were dissolvable in there, and I still had tons of discomfort afterwards. And when I seeked that advice from my doctor at my you know six week follow up there. It was just, um, you know, have he had his finger in me and he's pushing down on my perineum, just like I'm kind of showing like my patients, you know, put your finger inside, just like the first, you know, the tip of your finger, the first knuckle, put some pressure down towards your bum and just kind of feel it out, you know, put some gentle sustained pressure in there and you might feel burning and to be told that that's okay if you feel a little bit of burning um, would be helpful. But so this doctor is kind of replicating some of what like I would be doing and what I do for my patients, but he's not telling me to go home and do it. He's telling me to just go um, have penetration, have penetrative sex. And that would be, um, that would be a tool to help massage the tissues. And like you have to, number one, you have to be like in a place where you're okay, you know, with having sex again. Like if you're in too much pain, to even undergo that kind of um, a treatment, if you will, then you're going to be guarding and you're going to be tensing up. And then that's not therapeutic at all. That can be like more of a traumatic situation. So um, that just brings on a whole nother load of information. So you would recommend after the first like two weeks to start with that. And what, what if somebody's out like six months? Do it anyway. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's always a, a place sure. for that. I see people that have issues that were, were, you know, that started from years ago of just, you know, poor mechanics or just, you know, upregulated, you know, tension, or maybe they had like an emotional, um, trauma, you know, and they're, they are holding tension and they've got trigger points. It's kind of like working on like that 
that tension within the muscle, but we're talking about like tension. I mean, so depending on how bad the tear is, yeah, it's, it is, it can involve the muscle. Um, but my case, it wasn't, but it's still tension and, and density within those tissues. And, um, I, you know, I have success with breaking down some of that tension, as long as it's approached in a way where you don't like, you don't cause more guarding to happen in the process. So a very like controlled, slow pressure, um, to begin with so that, you know, you're, you're not activating that, um, that sympathetic response from the body. It's very much, uh, mind over matter in a lot of the pelvic, um, health that I do incorporates, um, trying to downplay the sympathetic, you know, get the parasympathetic more, um, involved, so that you're not fighting yourself. Right. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Any, yeah. No, I mean, and, and Katie does workshops in the area too. She's actually doing one this Sunday. I know this is going to come out after this happens, yeah. but uh, she's doing one at F45, which is going to be talking about sexual health. Um, but we got some others coming up. So stay stay tuned and, and you know, keep a lookout for, for some of the workshops that we got come up in the community. What about, did you want to do a second one, Nick? No, okay. no. Okay. I'm going to hold on to the okay. fact that I was the shortest one today. Yeah, uh, I think sorry. you should. That's, I think that's good. Yeah, that's, that's good for me. Katie this didn't want good. to do it, but she took us longer than everybody. Sorry. That's great. Good. That was on the fly. I have no notes in front of me. I, know. I, I know. did not prepare. I know. I was like, oh, crap. I'm I the only one that has my laptop in front of me, and I'm the one that screwed up. So <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I get it. You got to go off the cuff, man. All right. So next week, we have 35 Part B. 35 that's B. when we're going to talk about. We're literally just going to talk about this one individual with an ACL tear. But it's, you know, we're going to dive into the process itself. We're not going to just talk about him and only him. We're going to talk about other people that are in his situation, um, but also talk about, you know, the mechanism of, of tearing ACL. Maybe, maybe we even talk about the different types of ACL grafts um, because there are definitely new ones coming out there and, you know, kind of just harp on that a little bit. So it's going to be an ACL chat for sure, um, all centered around this one individual. Sorry to our 12 diehard listeners that we're going out of chronological order by giving an A and a B, but you can still, you can still stay involved. Yes. After 35B, we'll be 36. Yes. Just so everyone knows. Promise. We're not going to skip 36. Don't worry. Promise. So for those 12 people, we appreciate you. Keep listening. <laughs> stick I think stick we're at like 20. 20 stick through it. No, I'm just no, kidding. I know. We got a pretty good following. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Moral of the story. Don't do drugs. Yeah. No gateway drugs. Don't do drugs. Thanks, Nick, for keeping me on track. Um, stay consistent. Missing a podcast episode can be a gateway drug to missing more <laughs> or could actually lead to actual drugs. So uh, as Nick would say, he was telling me before this this podcast, he goes, dude, before you know it, you'll be doing heroin. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, big jump there, but you know, I don't want to do that. So you let's do know. this podcast yeah, episode. Know. <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, we have a long ways to go in the uh, in progressing the field of physical therapy. We do understand that the healthcare system will never be perfect, but it seems that we hear stories like this way too often. Um, the best thing that you can do is just bring awareness. Um, and that's the intention with the podcast. So we can bring awareness to you. You can bring awareness to everybody else and everybody's now aware. It's pretty cool. Uh, so listen, if you're a healthcare provider and you are listening, we just ask that you don't be reckless with other people's health. And for all of the patients that are listening, all 12 of you, um, you shouldn't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com. 
or on social media at ProformPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.